16th chapter. Let's go there. Numbers, the 16th chapter. And uh, we are, uh, we've been talking quite a lot about God judging his people. And I'd mentioned this fellow named Korah a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, I told you then that we would pick up with him at some future time and talk about him. So we're going to do it tonight. And uh, in Numbers 16, actually that whole chapter has to do with this fella and his uh, cohorts. And uh, these folks came against Moses. You know, Moses was God's leader and God had instituted Moses as leader and then Aaron, of course, as his assistant and Korah. And... Uh, and had a group of people that he had led in a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And so we're going to talk about this fellow tonight and see what we can learn. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses here, and then I'm just going to kind of exposit this chapter. Not, I think there's 50 verses, so I probably won't exposit it all, but we'll hit the high, high spots. Notice verse 1 now. Korah, the son of Isar, the son of Kohath. That's important there, Kohath. The son of Kohath. The son of Levi with uh, Dathan and Abram. Those were her, his two closest associates, uh, Korah's. Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders, of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Notice, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now, this rebellion, like all rebellions, had a leader. As we said, his name was Korah and followers of his. And uh, you also need to realize that Korah and Moses were cousins. Something interesting. They were cousins. Maybe that was, maybe in part, one of the reasons that Korah had trouble respecting Moses. But anyway, remember we said here that the Bible said that Korah was a descendant of Kohath. And the Kohathiath, the Kohathites, as they were known, of who Korah was a descendant, had a very important duty among the Levites. They were to carry the most holy things of the temple. They were to carry the most holy things of the temple. How many of you think that that would be a good, wonderful assignment. But as we'll see, that assignment wasn't good enough for Korah. He wanted to be the leader. He wanted to be in charge. Where he said in the verse we read, you take too much upon yourselves. He said that to Moses, you know, and Aaron. You see, Korah was not content with what the Lord had called him to do. One of the greatest things that any of us can do is become content with what the Lord has called us to do. Very often times people will look at what the Lord has called them to do and 
they don't think it's all that important, it's not all that big of a thing that I'm doing, and it's really easy to become discontented. But you need to realize, and I've had to learn this myself, if God gives you an assignment, it's important. And don't make light of that. Do you understand that? Don't make light of that. Well, I'm just to this, or I'm just to that, or I'm just to... Well, whatever it is that you're just a, if God assigned that to you, it's very, very important. And, and Korah must have at some point said, well, I, you know, I've just been assigned to carry these holy items. That's an important assignment. But he, he minimized that. Uh, and, it, and, and, and he wasn't content with the awesome thing that the Lord had called him to do. And then he accused Moses of being prideful and, and you know, wanting to do things and, and not let the other people participate. You know, Moses was the meekest man in the earth, a humble man. And Moses never usurped authority or, or, or you know, Mo, how many of you know Moses didn't even want to do what God told him to do? Is that right? You can see why God chose Moses to be the leader and not Korah. Korah kind of, as you see, you'll, you'll see this as we go, Korah kind of thought he was hot stuff. You know, people that think they're hot stuff, God never is able to use them. It's the people that are humble and, uh, and don't think that they're capable. Those are the ones that God uses. And, uh, but he, he accused Moses of, of uh, you, know, you know, not letting the, all of the people of the congregation do, you know, things that they were supposed to, that, that Korah thought they were supposed to do. You know, Moses was following God's direction. And uh, it really wasn't for Korah to say what people were supposed to do. Is that right? It was for Moses. He was the leader. Is that right? And uh, it's interesting that this accusation that Korah made against the Lord, I'm sorry, against Moses uh, as the Lord's leader, uh, he did it publicly. And the reason for that is he was playing to an audience. You know, people that rebel need an audience. If nobody would listen to him, then... They, wouldn't, they couldn't cause any trouble. Is that right? Korah, like every rebellious person, is trying at some, some level, they're trying to draw people to themselves. You know, uh, I've had people over the years, you know, they've left a church. You know, there's a right way to leave and a wrong way. And, and I've had people do it. I've had very few do it the right way. But I have a lot of people do it the wrong way. And one thing that you could note when people do it the wrong way is they'll begin to draw people after themselves. And sometimes they'll do it directly, but most of the time it's not directly. They'll say, oh, you should just see how wonderful it is over where we're at. Man, it's just the Spirit of God is really moving over here, man. Well, they're indirectly trying to pull you out of where God has assigned you. And what you don't realize in about three months, the same problems those people or six months had at this church, 
they're going to be having those same problems at the next joint. And the next joint after that. And the next one after that. And they just keep causing problems. They go somewhere, honeymoon wears off, and then they cause problems, and then they move on and try to draw people with them. Have you ever noticed that? And, and Korah said, you know, the Lord's among these people. You know, he's among all of us. Korah acted as if, as if he were speaking up for the people and was looking out for their interests. You know, when he said to Moses and Aaron, you know, the Lord's among all of us. In other words, you know, the Lord's among all of us. Why don't you have, you know, somebody else preach once in a while besides you? Why don't you? I've had I, I've had that in years gone by. Why don't you think you're the only one that's they can preach? No, I'm the one that's God called here to preach. And when I'm not in the pulpit, I put in the pulpit who I feel God wants in the pulpit. And that's between me and the Lord. Yeah, but other people can preach just as you. There's, don't you know that there's people in the congregation can preach just as good as you? That, that, <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? This is a holy desk. God assigned me to be behind this one. And when I'm not here, he tells me who to put in here. You understand that? You ought to be glad I don't just let any fly by night come along and stand in here. And so Korah was like speaking up for the people, so to speak. But in, in doing that, he was trying to get the people to see him as their spokesman. But he was really desiring a position for himself. Uh, also, too, when, when people talk like that, because I've, I've seen the people do this in other ministries and we've had it a time or two over the years here uh, when they talk like that really they're not being respectful of the person that God put in charge and they don't really really trust him to hear from God as to who should be doing what and then he said in those verses we read why then do you exalt yourselves above the congregation of the Lord Korah accused Moses of pride and self-seeking but the truth was Moses had not ever, as we said, aspired to his position. God called him to it. Is that right? And Moses did not see himself above the congregation. And then, of course, we read that there were 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. See, Korah was able to oppose Moses because, I said it before, I want to say it again, because these men of renown followed him. The Korahs, quote-unquote, Korahs of the congregation are difficult enough for a pastor to deal with, but the people who follow them, when there's people that follow those Korahs, those people lack discernment, and what they need to do is they need to oppose the Korahs and make it impossible for them to lead an uprising. I've never seen really one person acting alone able to really cause a problem in a congregation other than just a little piddly-diddly. It's that when people follow after that nonsense, that's where the 
if there's just one that just just goes away, but you get you know a bunch of people, you understand? And see, these men of renown should have been loyal to Moses and opposed Korah. Now you have to remember Moses. How many of you would agree with me that Moses was good godly leadership? So everything I'm saying here is under the assumption that the leader is good and godly. Because how many of you know there have been some leaders that maybe they even started off good and godly. I can think of any number of them, but they got haughty and they got prideful. Huh? And, they're, and, 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 and you know, sometimes people, I've watched this, sometimes the leadership in a church gets, gets corrupt or gets prideful or, or, or gets haughty and sometimes people just have to leave. They don't want to because when they went to that church and joined that congregation, it was a certain way. But if, if the pastor becomes haughty and prideful and changes and, and you know what I mean when I... Now, I've made a few changes over the years, but it's been in, to line up more with the Word of God. You know, some people don't want any kind of change at all. You ought to be glad you have a pastor that I can see when I've missed it and I want to change and move more in line with the Word of God. Don't you, don't you respect that? Uh, but if, if leadership changes, you know, and, and gets corrupt or prideful, haughty, whatever, then sometimes you have to leave. You have no choice. But assuming good, godly leadership, then if people wouldn't listen to these Korahs, then there wouldn't be really any problems of uprisings and things. We're talking about the judgment on Korah here tonight. I promised you I'd teach this to you, so I'm teaching it to you tonight. Let's read verses 4 through 11. So when Moses heard this, what Korah had said, he fell on his face and spoke. So he, he prays and then he goes and speaks to Korah and all his company saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses he will cause to come near to him. Do this, take censers, Korah and all your company, Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. It is a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you, and are you seeking the priesthood also? Just in my own words, Moses was just kind of summing up what their problem was. He was saying... You know, you count it a small thing. In other words, God has given you this awesome responsibility and you're counting it as a small thing. And he, he, he says there, and you are seeking the priesthood also. In other words, Moses is saying, hey, guys, God's giving you this wonderful thing to do. He hasn't called you to do this, this priesthood thing, you know, uh, but... but, but but you're not satisfied in, in what God's called you to do. Now you want to do this other thing too that you're not called to do? See, Moses is he's doing what a good leader should do. He's stating the, their problem to them. Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. 
And what is Aaron that you complain against him? See, they were talking against uh, Aaron as well. Did you ever notice that when Jesus was on the earth, they were going after Jesus? And you notice no more than he ascended on high and sat down at the right hand of, of God in heaven, they started going after Peter and James and John. Is that right? These people always seek out authority. I'll guarantee it to you as best as I can, as best as I can, just because I know people, they probably, I, I don't see in the Bible where it says it, but you know, they probably approached Aaron too, somewhere along the line. Probably. But you know, Aaron was loyal to Moses. You know, a third of the angels followed Lucifer. Is that right? I don't personally believe he just approached a third. He probably approached more than that. A third of them didn't have good sense. I'm just curious, heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you have ever, whether it be this church or another church, that, that, that people have left, heads bowed, eyes closed, whether this church or another church, but people have left and they've called you or contacted you and tried to draw you away after them. Just raise your hands real high and let me see. All right, you can put your hands down. Isn't it? That, was, that was about over half the people. See, this happens, doesn't it? I think if we as pastors taught on these things more often, it would keep this from happening. So it says, the Bible said, when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. So you know what? Moses, when he was, when he was uh, uh, accused by Korah, he first prayed, didn't he? He didn't just respond. And then he spoke to Korah and all his company. And, and we read that. And again, you need to realize, because I think it bears repetition... When he said, you know, it's a small thing to you, you see, Moses knew that the rebellion of Korah was rooted in ingratitude. They were not, you see, Korah and his followers were not thankful for the wonderful ministry God gave them to do. And, and he rebuked, Moses rebuked the pride and the self-seeking that prompted their challenge. Folks, are you getting what I'm saying here tonight? Each one of us have been given an assignment, including me, in this church... And anybody listening by internet, you know, whatever that assignment is, don't make light of it. It's a very important assignment. And I know how the devil works. He'll come and he'll just throw thoughts at you. You know what you're doing. It's not important. You're just standing at the door greeting. Nobody even knows who you are. What did I tell you last week? When did you, when, how do you know when you get to the top? When nobody knows who you are. Is that right? Is, is that right? The way up in the kingdom of God is down through humility. You understand that? See, a lot, of time, a lot of times people think you've arrived when you're on TV and everybody knows your name. No, that just means you've got millions of dollars of television bills to pay. And you've got people out there with guns looking to shoot you because they didn't like what you said. Huh? That may not be the case in every situation, but most of them. You getting anything out of this? Um, you know, one thing I will say that, you know, even if, let's just say that, let's just say that Moses had maybe made a mistake along the way and Korah had noticed it. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way to approach a leader. 
The wrong way is to not try to take over his church. Is that right? But, but, but if a leader is humble then, and you see things that you don't understand or you have questions, and you ought to, there ought to be a way that you can approach that leader and lovingly ask questions. Is that right? And, and you know, I'm open to talk to anybody who's attended here and you've been humble and you've been faithful. But I'm not going to let somebody, and I've had people do this over the years, they'll come and they'll be here a week or two and they'll want to meet with me and they'll want to tell me everything I need to do to change them. You need to change this, you need to change that, you need to change this, you need to change that. And they've never built anything for God. They haven't, I like what Brother Hagin said, they've never even built a chicken coop for God. But they, they're going to come and tell me how to run the church and then they've only been here for you know a couple of months or a couple of weeks. I've learned this, you need to earn the right to speak into a man of God's life. You need to earn the right to speak into a pastor's life. I use Dale Francis as an example, but you see, he's earned the right to speak into my life. You understand? And I could call other names, but he's been here almost since day one, served faithfully. Like Ray, he's been with me for years and years. He's earned the right to speak into my life. You understand that? They've been serving here faithfully for years. And they've never caused me any problems, except for Ray on the golf course. But other than that, I'm teasing with him. Like Joe George over here, he's never caused me a problem. Not, not a problem. Not ever. He, he's earned the right to speak into my life. Bob Schmidt back there, he's earned the right to speak into my life. And I could call uh, uh, see, uh, uh, a different John Knott over there. He's, you know, he's earned the right. And I could call different ones names, you see. But you can't just come here for a week or two and, 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 and expect to just, you know, well, you're doing this wrong, doing that wrong, doing the other wrong. You haven't earned the right to speak into my life. Do you understand? How'd you like me to come over to your house and I'm there for ha half an hour and I start saying, you know, I don't like the color here and I don't like the color there. and you, hi, You'd want to throw me out. Is that right? Is that correct? So let's go on here now. Let's read verses uh, 12 through 14. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram. Those were Korah's henchmen, the sons of Eliab. So Moses wants to talk to these guys. But they said, we will not come up. It is a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards, will you put out the eyes of these men, these 250 men, we will not come up. Now think about that. Dathan and Abram, the co-conspirators with Korah, they would not even meet with Moses nor answer his request. Isn't that something? How many of you, if Moses wanted to talk to you, you'd at least go talk to him? You can see that these guys aren't on the level. They won't. And something I've noticed, uh, you know, uh, 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 about a lot of folks that 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 uh, oppose good, healthy leadership, is they don't want to ever look the leader in the eye. They always like to work behind the scenes. Now I know Cora did, but these guys would not would not would not approach Moses. They wouldn't meet with him. 
And then notice they said that Moses had taken them out of the land of milk and honey. Well, where did Moses take them out of? Egypt. Was that the land of milk and honey? How many of you want to follow Abraham and Dathan when they think Egypt is the land of milk and honey? And then they said to kill us in the wilderness. Now, let me ask you a question. Listen, this will help you right here. Boy, I hope you're listening. This is an important point here. To kill us in the wilderness. Did Moses intend to kill the children of Israel in the wilderness? No. This shows that Dathan and Abram assigned an evil heart to Moses when Moses didn't have one. And that's what a lot of these conspirators and rebel rousers do is they'll put words in the pastor's mouth. They'll, they'll, they'll accuse the pastor and say the pastor said things that he never said. Do you understand that? They spoke as if they had uh, discovered a plot of Moses to lead the nation into the wilderness and kill them. See, they were concocting things. I've watched this for years where... Like for Brother Hagin. Anybody ever heard of Brother Hagin? There, there's all kinds of dinglings say that he said things that he never said. But they twist things or they take things out of context. How about that lady today that got fired or yesterday in the government? Remember the agriculture? They fired her because they, took, they didn't hear the whole thing. Is that right? And then when they hear the whole thing, then she didn't say really what they thought she said. Is that correct? And that's the same thing that these, these problem causers in churches do or in ministries do. They'll, they'll say, did you know that, that, that pastor said this, the pastor said that, you know, the pastor thinks this, all of these. You've got to be watchful. That's why I like it. We tape things around here. So you, know, you can go listen to what I said. And then they accused Moses of still acting haughty like a prince. You know, Moses was a prince in Egypt, wasn't he? But how many of you know he had 40 years in the wilderness to beat, in the backside of the desert to beat that out of him, didn't he? And, and he was faithful tending uh, Jethro's flocks, is that right? And they were accusing him of things that he wasn't guilty of. And then says, now listen to this, you have not brought us into, now boy, I hope you're listening to this. Are you listening? Say, I'm listening if you are. You have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, Moses, you haven't accomplished everything that you told us you were going to accomplish. You haven't brought us all the way to the place that you told us you were going to bring us. Well, See, they were accusing him of that. Well, I'm not surprised that he wasn't able to get him to the promised land any quicker than he did. Look at who he had to lead. Huh? Huh? Did you get what I just said? I mean, be watchful that you don't say, well, you know, the, the leader said thus and so and said thus and so and he still hasn't been. Now, I'm not talking here now about, you know, being honest and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God will give a leader vision many times. And, and if you're the leader, God will give you the vision. You know, for a church, God gives the vision for a church to a pastor, not to a board. Can anybody say amen? And, and the deacons... Uh, wives shouldn't be running the church. The Holy Ghost ought to be running the church. 
under the past, through the pastor. Is that right? And the pastor should be accountable to a board but not controlled by one. But a lot of times, uh, and that's the way it's set up around here, uh, because I'm not going to let a deacon's wife tell me what I can preach and can't preach. Now, having said that, God will give direction to a man of God and he'll put that vision out in front of the people and then when you don't get there as quick as you think you should, a lot of times the people say, well, pastor, you said we were going to do thus and so by thus and so time and we still haven't got there. Look, rather than... What's the lesson we learn here? Rather than pointing the finger at somebody else, why don't we go get a mirror? Did you hear what I just said? Moses, you haven't gotten us to the promised land yet. Well, look at... I'm not surprised he had Korah and Dathan and Abram, and they weren't the only ones. I mean, they were, weren't those people as a whole generally crumbling and complaining about... Were they not? Were they not grumbling and complaining? Were they not continually looking back to how wonderful it was back in Egypt? Huh? These people had a short memory. You know, and, and you know, and, you know, like, rather than being thankful for all that Moses did for him, it's what have you done for me lately, Moses? Is that right? So you see, they were accusing him of not getting them fast enough to where that he was supposed to take them, but look at who he had to lead. And then, listen to this. It is unbelievably easy for the Korahs of this world to sit back and say, if I were leading the nation, or if I were leading Israel, or if I were leading the church, if I were leading the ministry, I would have done thus and so. I've made this mistake when I was a youngster of about, you know, 21, 22 served under a pastor, and then I watched other ministers in different churches. Remember, I I have a hat that has a what on it. And what does that O stand for? Observer. And I'd observe, and I thought, well, you know, back when I was a kid, I'd say, well, you know, if I was running that ministry, I'd do this. If I was a pastor, I'd do this. You know, and I didn't cause trouble. I just, on the inside, you know, if I was in charge, I'd do this. Well, you know, the Lord, in the process of time, put me in charge of a ministry, and now... I can understand why a lot of those ministers and those pastors did things and said things that they did. You know, it's real easy to be an armchair quarterback. It's another thing to be out there on the field and you got the ball and you got those big guys coming after you. Is that right? Is that right? It's real easy to be a backseat driver. Is that right? And if I were in charge... I'd do this. No, if you were in charge, it'd really be messed up. Is that right? We won't know unless you go out there and run something and are a success. I heard a good minister say this some weeks ago. He said, you know, he said, and he has a very successful ministry... And he says, you know, people come through his church all the time and try to tell him how to run things and do things, and they've, they've, they've never done anything. Like I said a while ago, they had never even built a chicken coop for God. And he says, why should I listen to these people? He said, I want to listen to some people who have done something. I want to listen to some people who have had some success. 
One thing, I, when people come through here, uh, one thing, uh, particularly like traveling ministers, sometimes they'll want to come and get a meeting, and the first thing I ask is, who's your pastor? And if they can't give me an answer within five seconds, I, I, will, I will not let them do anything in this church. Do you understand? I had a group, a couple, say a group, a couple come through here one time years back, and uh, they wanted to have a deliverance meeting at the church. I said, who's your pastor? And they couldn't answer. And they said, well, we don't have a pastor. We just kind of go from church to church. Well, I tell you what, if you're not under authority, you can't exercise authority. Is that right? Amen. They were not under good, godly authority. So, so they're not going to, they're not going to, uh, if you go to their meeting, you're liable to get possessed, not delivered. Did you hear me? So don't be one of these people that if you were in charge, everything would run smoothly because we don't know how things would run if you were in charge. I had to learn this because like I said, when I was a kid, I would say, well, if I was in charge, I'd do this. If I was in charge, I'd do that. You know, I got to be in charge and I learned that some of my hot ideas don't work. So be watchful when people start saying, well, you know, the pastor ought to do this. The pastor ought to do that. He ought to do this. What have they done? What have they done? What have they built? Tell me, what have they built? What have they done? N-O-T-H-I-N. Nothing. But they got it all figured out. Right? You know, I'm just teaching on this because I felt the Lord wanted me to teach on it. I wonder if there's some people here that need to hear it. Maybe they do. I don't know. You learning anything tonight? Um, you know, leaders, let me tell you something else that will help you. Leaders, like pastors, should be held to a higher standard, but not an unfair standard of perfection. Did you know Jesus walked the earth and he was perfect and people couldn't accept that perfection? We pastors and ministers, we walk the earth imperfect and people expect us to be perfect. You know, there's no perfect pastors, including me. And you know what? There's no perfect people, including you. And then he says in those verses, we will not come up. They wouldn't meet with Moses. This shows that Dathan and Abraham considered themselves under no authority. It's it's said loud and clear, Moses, we have no respect for your authority. We will listen to... Now listen to this now. We'll listen to God, but not to you. And that, that, that couple that came through here with the so-called deliverance ministry, that's kind of what they were saying. Well, we'll listen to God, but we won't listen to a man. You can't be submitted to God unless you're submitted to a man. Do you hear me? You can't be submitted to God if you're not... I tell you what, if you're not submitted to a good local church with good godly authority, then you're not submitted to God. Did you hear me? Ask me who my pastor is. Kenneth Hagin Jr. Ask me where his church is. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This ministry is accountable to RMAI and Rama. If you don't have a, if you're not, if you don't attend a church regularly, weekly, and have somebody you call your pastor, you're out of the will of God. You understand that? And. Uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, 
One other thing I'll say is that, and I want to say it again, when, when the accusation was being made, because these Nathan and Abram made some comments about these men here, about their eyes being put out or whatnot. But the, the lesson to learn there is that somebody among that 250 should have stood up for Moses. And nobody did. Now, for the sake of time, I've got about 10, 12 minutes left. Let's go to verse 15. I'm doing this a little different tonight. I'm reading verses and then just commenting on them. But Moses was very angry. Did you know that a good man of God can get angry? Doesn't G- didn't Jesus say, be angry and what? Sin not. And Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken... I have, watch this. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord. You and they, as well as Aaron, let each one take his censer and put incense in it. And each of you bring his censer before the Lord, 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it and incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, let me comment on these verses. Moses was very angry. Is it wrong for a man of God to get angry? No, just be angry and what? Sin not, okay? And uh, the interesting thing here and, 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 and the thing that, that really touches my heart in these verses is when Moses said, I haven't done anything to hurt these people. Do you know how many leaders there are? I'm talking pastors that haven't done anything to hurt anyone, but yet people come against them anyway. I've had it here in this ministry. I've had people over the years leave and say bad things about me and my wife. And if you go back, you know, check up and see how much we blessed those people. How much money we blessed them with. How many car payments we helped them with. How many rent payments or house payments we made for them. It never ceases to amaze me that you can, you can help people with hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of dollars and help them, really try to help them because they're in need. And then they'll leave and talk badly about you. Unbelievable. But I, leave, I, I like Moses. I leave it in the hands of the Lord. And Moses said, I haven't done anything to hurt these people. Also, you can see Moses was angry as we said. You know, sometimes people will see a pastor get angry and they'll think that, oh, you know, he's really not a man of God because he got angry. You know, we as pastors, we ought to be tender with the sheep and when somebody goes astray, we ought to lovingly go and minister to them. Is that right? But if a wolf came in here and tried to destroy this place, wouldn't, want, wouldn't you want me to get the shepherd's staff out and run that wolf off? And when I do, people will say, well, see, he's not a loving man of God. No, I'm, if I'm a loving man of God, I'll run that wolf off before they sink their teeth into your hot little hide. Is that right? Huh? And then he says, let each one take his censer, put incense in it, and each one of you bring his censer before the Lord. See, this specified a challenge. God would approve or disapprove of the, the ones that he had called. Now listen to this. God used the censers with fire and incense 
in, in this test for a good reason. A censer is a metal pot used to burn incense and they were used in the priestly worship of God. Now listen, since Korah and his companions questioned Moses and Aaron's right to lead the nation and conduct the priesthood, each group would come to the Lord as worshiping priests and God would show which group he accepted. Now, Moses made these rebels take the... Now listen to this. Moses made these rebels take the position they desired, the position of priest, and often the best judgment on the rebellious is to let them do the very thing that they think they can do and let them lead. And that's essentially what he was going to do. Let them lead. You know, these people that say, well, if I was the pastor, you know, I'd do it this way. If I was a pastor, I'd do it that way. Well, the pastor did this. I don't agree with that. You know what I ought to do? I ought to let you be the pastor. I was going to say for a week, I let you be the pastor for a day. Just like Fred Flintstone wanted to run Slate Quarry, right? And so Kazoo made him the, made him the boss. boss for a day. Is that right? Everybody else going home at 4.30 and Fred had to stay, you know, for the board meeting. Is that right? So all you got to do is these people that I want to I want to lead. I want to be in charge. I want to All right. Put let's put you in charge and then we'll see how good you do. And so there was a showdown between Moses and these rebellious people. Now look if you would. Now look if you would at verse 19 midway through the verse. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation uh, and so on and so forth. You can read that. And, uh, uh, and for the sake of time, you can read on down. And, and let, let, I tell you, let's just pick up with verse 23. You can read all that, others. And let, let's pick up verse 23. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the congregation saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood at the door of the tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. See, Moses was just doing what God had called him to do. Now watch this. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it ca- notice, rejected the Lord, not just Moses. If you reject God's servant, you're rejecting him, aren't you? But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up and all that belong to them, they go down alive into the pit, then you'll know and understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them and the earth opens its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they, they and all those with them went down alive into the pit the earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And, and a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were 
offering incense. Wow. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? This same attitude should be among God's people today. You should stay away from divisive, argumentative, contentious people in the body of Christ. You don't want to be close to them if God should decide to deal with them. Right? Stay away from people that are always down in the mouth. Always crabbing, complaining, and talking negative, talking bad. And, and really stay away from those who are talking bad about spiritual leadership, whether it's me or whoever it is. You understand that? Stay away from people that talk bad about Rick Shelton. Stay away from those people. He's a good man of God. You understand that? Jeff Perry is a good man of God. Huh? You know, don't talk bad about these guys. Huh? Pastor Hagen's a good man of God. You understand that? Anyway, you see the judgment of the Lord, don't you? And then it's interesting because I'm out of time. We could go on. But I want you to notice something. Look at verse 41. I think you'll find this interesting. I mean, I would think... Now, now I would think that if the earth opened up... I would think that if I was going to have a showdown with somebody that was rebellious and, 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 and the, earth, you know, the earth opened up and swallowed them up <laughs> while everybody's watching... I would think at that point the people would conclude that I was called of God. You would think that, that after watching this, that the people for, from that point on, you would think that these people, well, listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying here now, you would think that these people watching that hole open up in the ground and swallow Korah and all, you would think that, that these people would follow Moses on forever, wouldn't you? But wouldn't you think that people that saw Moses split the Red Sea would follow him unquestioned? Or hit a rock and water comes out? Or quail? Or, or, or manna? You, wouldn't you think so? But Moses did all of those signs and wonders and, and, and all of the, from Egypt to the, 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 to the Red Sea parting and, and the people saw all of that and they still gave him trouble, isn't it? And now they see the earth open up and swallow, the, swallow these rebellious people up. And watch this, verse 41, On the next day all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against... That was the next day. All the children of, of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Because the hole opened up, swallow, earth opened up, swallowed up. And now the people are mad at Moses because God brought judgment. You know, I've learned this. I've learned this. Boy, listen, listen to this. I've learned this. You're, you're either with this ministry or you're not. And, and, and it doesn't matter if I... Look, we have had, we have had healings and miracles, and we have had people healed of every kind of thing you can imagine. I haven't had blind eyes open. I've had deaf ear pop open. We've, we've had people healed over the last 15 years of this ministry. But people don't stay here because of that. And I'll go you one better. The people who have been healed, by and large, don't stay here because of it. And, I, and that's been a lesson to me. I thought, well, if people see the power of God and... They can see 
the earth open up and swallow some, a rebellious person and they'll turn right around and get mad at Moses. So you know what? I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord. You keep your eyes on the Lord. And you just stay hooked in wherever you're supposed to be, whether there's miracles or not. Whether there's signs and wonders or not. As long as Jesus is being exalted and, and God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you know, Jesus is a son, you know, as long as he's being worshipped and the word of God's going forth, I've learned people are going to, good people are going to stay where God put them. Can you say amen? amen? And then, long story short here, when this happened, you can read on and see, when this happened, the judgment of the Lord just tore, tore in, God just tore into them. This upset the Lord. And people started falling dead. And you know what? Moses and Aaron did, they did something probably better than what I would have done. I probably haven't advanced quite to the point that Moses. Because I might have stood back and said, Lord, give it to him. You know, let him have it, Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Moses and Aaron went to praying. And they prayed. They were intercessors and they prayed. And, they, and, and some people did, did fall dead, but Aaron and, and Moses directed him and he stood and, uh, praise God, uh, stayed the judgment of the Lord. You intercessors ought to read about what Aaron did there and Moses. They, stood, they, they stayed the judgment of the Lord off on the rest of these people. Sometime I'm going to get into this talk about intercession a little more. And there's some rich stuff in there for, for intercessors on, on down in these verses 46 to 50. Did you get anything out of this? I went a little bit long, but it is interesting. All right, ushers come. We're going to receive tithes and offerings. If you're making out a check, make it out to Summit Church or SC. If you need an envelope, you're giving.